You are now listening to Well, Well, Filling Out. never gonna get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> uh, so what I'll do is, because I'm down to two. Oh, bitter pill stuff. All right, bitter pill stuff. Two people at the bitter pill will definitely fall. I think that dread either comes back to die. <laughs> I'm with you there. I said dread gotta die plant. last episode. Like I've been saying since the beginning. Whatever. And then I said the next on-screen. Where's kill. the bug in her one dress? In her one break? And one in the her what? No, there's only one. <laughs> there's only one. There's only one. <laughs> it's one braid. She's an artist. All right. <laughs> She's a receptionist <laughs> for the bitter pill. The the next on-screen kill is with a blunt object, and it will be a bludgeoning. That is what I Ooh, want. Can it be Eve? Can it be Eve, please? I mean, God, you know that's what I desperately want for sure. blood to splash I need on an, her face. I need an on-screen kill, and it needs to be a bludgeoning, like it, like, like yes, working through like a rage room, like you know the room where the stuff and you smash, but it's a person, right, right. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and I really hope that that video that uh, Dread is showing Carolyn is of Jamie dying. Ooh, ooh. So, so if it's Jamie dying, and look at look at the smile on my face, I'm like, oh my God, Jamie could die. Um. Who's doing it? Rianne on the roof as she gets information from Jamie. And they're like, Jamie went out for coffee and he never came back, Carolyn. We think you ought to see this. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, whew, I guess it could be Rianne. Wow. Well, who else were you thinking? I mean, you're, I mean the, only, muse. the only other two people oh, want to take. Oh, this is one take. of those muses where you have the open-ended right. question, but yeah. no answers. The only I two can't. people want to take are, are, I said Red and Dread are going to take, but uh, I feel, feel that Red, I don't know. Some something about red is, is gonna happen. <laughs> There's something about red, red that ain't right. About red. Right, something about right. red is not right. Like he might not make it either. I said two people gonna go. So, so if who are one you of two? For dread sure, and Jamie. If, so if one of them for sure is Jamie, I don't know who the other one is. I mean, I would love for it to be Dread if she's not on the take because she just showed up to die just like Mo did, and that would be my reason for that. Like. Unless they have her there to be the closed book in. Like maybe she's like, oh, this is a video that I took of my boyfriend on my phone. <laughs> or whatever. Oh, God. And then it's like he says Lord. something there that she can decipher because it means Bitch. something else. I guess. I guess it's just I'm so like disenchanted uh-huh. with with dread. Every uh-huh. time you have a scenario with her, I'm just like, whatever. She's coming to go. She's coming to go. She says nothing substantial, nothing to do. Nothing to contribute but her looks. He sings S Club 7 on the loo. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that is her contribution to the series. Well, all right. Do I have any other muses here? I feel like I do. But look at my shit. It's literally looking like my chart. So I'm like, wait, study. Like, did you say that? All right. Oh, I did just want to quickly bring up a parallel that I noticed when we were watching that preview with Villanelle and Carolyn is that Villanelle... When asked why by Carolyn, she's like, she wants a challenge. And one of my favorite scenes from series two is when she's talking that shit to Eve. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't want to be challenged. And it's like, wow. That's what they call growth, motherfucker. That's that's growth. And I, I am happy to see Villanelle growing in so many ways because while people think there's nothing good that can happen with Eve, I crawl makeup contour. Fuck y'all. I think a lot of good things could happen with these hoes before the series is done. I too 
respect and understand that Villanelle, as a woman, is Horn. growing. Horn. She is uh, expanding her depth of field. Um, she is. She's. She's like someone who's gained a new sense. And sometimes when you introduce a new sense to someone, they're less sharp in the other ones because they're they're putting all their attention and energy into trying to sharpen this brand new thing to them. So that could be why she seems like she's off her game because she has these thoughts in her head that she's never had before. And yeah, she's, she's oh my brand God. new. You know, it just came back into my mind. Do you remember how I said in I, maybe the last snack that, and maybe the one prior, because I feel like I've been on it for a little bit since they've been going into this let's break down into the raw, real Oksana behind the Villanelle mask is, do you remember how like in series one, there's a number of times, well, maybe not a number, but there's a choice few moments in which Eve calls Villanelle Oksana. So that moment in the kitchen where she's like, Oksana! <laughs> And Villanelle's like, wow, you're really proud of yourself, aren't you? Really, really proud of it. All that time she's talking to Anna. But for this instance, I was going to say before she shoots Constantine and Eve has the gun. And she's like, Oksana, don't. Because in that time, she's not there with the Villanelle. And I actually think it's interesting that now going back, yes, yes, thinking on it, that Emerald chose to write Eve as saying Villanelle, Villanelle. Because now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I believe that an Eve thinks an Oksana, when she is in that truth, is a person capable of love and feelings and stuff because she was just trying to get to the nitty gritty. In episode five, she's like, I know you're you're exceptional, exceptionally bright, like you're so super talented, so super smart. Right. Something <laughs> happened and something happened. She does not say monster. She does not say you are a scary thing that you need to do. She says, and you're a psychopath. And that's when Villanelle's like, that's probably not, I mean, you were doing so good up right, until that like point. I was, but right. it's not even a mean word. It's a clinical word. It and is. so theoretically, there shouldn't be any emotion tied to it. So I might have said this already in the snack, but I just want to add to it again that I feel very strongly we will get some sort of juxtaposition of what we saw in the first episode of this series with Dasha referring to her as Oksana and her being like, don't you fucking utter those words to me out loud. That's not my name. My name is Villanelle. To Eve, being the one person this whole time has been like, Oksana, 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 Oksana Ostenkova. And Villanelle is always like, well, I like the way it rolls off your tongue for some fucking reason. And so now that we have Villanelle in this place where she seems to be in the skin of Oksana, whether she likes it or not, she can't escape it. And that's what killing her mom did. That the oh suits you is evocative of that Eve never minded. And so realistically, back to what I was saying earlier, that it shouldn't be a problem. Because the monster, quote unquote, quote unquote, was never a monster to Eve. It was always like enticing, intriguing, excitement. Love. Dark love. Mm. Love. Yeah. Just so afraid of what they're going to leave on the cutting room floor. Because when you think of all of the previous season finales where they say, oh, we tried to shoot this so many different ways and there were so many different things that we tried and it just didn't feel like it worked. Oh my God, is AMC ever going to do anything about the fucking bloopers and deleted scenes? Like, we are three series in. What is wrong with you, house? It's like they don't want to make any money. That's what you guys want, to make no money except from the advertisers? Fucking fine, if that's how you live your life. I thought you guys did The Walking Dead and you guys can't stop merchandising the shit out of The Walking Dead. What is different about The Killing Eve show? Is it because it's British and British people do things differently commercially? Is that that why? Because I, I always try to figure out how America that likes to merchandise everything, literally everything, and Killing Eve is like, oh, we got nothing. We don't, we don't even have a T-shirt. Okay. We need a Not better even a T-shirt hashtag. on the site you can buy. Because we can't say release the Waller Bridge cut. Release the merch. Release uh, the merch. Uh, we, we release the release Phoebe the Waller Waller Bridge. Bridge. Right. Release, release the- Phoebe's tapes. Right, right. We deserve to have them. 
actually that's the recent campaign has worked forgetting lost art so hey and then after that we release the finale cut so that we can get i also want to know the forest of dean right the forest of dean i know their scenes the truth is out there all i know is the sun was up when villanelle walked in and then when eve you left your door open it was nighttime that's all (laughs) i know so release the scenes release them release Release the secret weapons You will send all the quiz into a frenzy if you yes. ever release just a 10%. Right. 10% of the stuff that exists where we could be like, oh, is that just in be- is that just them in between scenes? Is that a giggle? <laughs> I love it. Oh, what's Fiona doing? Is she talking about her next opera that she's going to direct? Oh, my God. Like, just don't violate a bitch privacy. Just let us see some of the stuff that isn't curated and manicured. So expertly for the final cut like show us some of the other stuff that is acceptable for i guess the writer really it's it's usually down to the writer to be like i don't want anyone to ever see that i made that gauchery with that scene but i think it's safe to say that killing you fans will love all of it no matter what it is like i could just see me on twitter now oh i was so excited for my first day on set they had me make an omelet (laughs) i'm so excited (laughs) i can't with you i fucking can't All right, so I really just have two muses left, and I'll leave that one for the end. Let us talk about the title cards. We talked about a little bit in the recap, but what are your thoughts? Have they evolved into anything different or Uh, what? I haven't played them back to back, but they seemed consistent to me. I don't know if we're missing names in either of them i feel like they played straight through i feel two different songs of course but what is the vibe uh the titles leave you with if any well the very first one was wtf like what are we doing (laughs) because we are are three series in and we're on the second episode you didn't even do the premiere with this title card so and then everyone was like precious minutes do we have the time to waste on title cards where we need content and dialogue and and story so uh, when we first got the first title card it was just not enough answers and too many questions uh the second title card was like oh and it's back and then yeah, we went over some of the uh, title card facts and revelations, but I mean, it it worked. It worked. Um, I don't know if we'll see them again. The series. I don't think that episode eight will have it. Well, if there is a pattern that one could potentially suss out, then no, it would not be in episode eight. So there's no Pilastri muses about these credits, just that they were weird and now they're back and what? Right. Like they showed up, they were gone because we thought that we were going to get it in episode right after. Well, I, I like, didn't, oh, I okay. didn't know. I just was like, will we get it again? Because if we get it again, then I can actually muse about why we got it in the first place. Oh, so, oh, so you have the, I, I really don't. It's just like, oh, they, they decided to do uh, just the same way how, um, there's the intro that you can, well, when you binge on Netflix, depending on the song, it'll give you some things like a Jessica Jones where it's like, oh, here's the thing. Right. But that's usually on every episode. You can just like skip so you get to content. But for it to only be in two, it was just, it was peculiar. So if, it, if there's a delicious design behind it, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, that's great for the, that design. And I hope that, uh, those with the artful eye can, can you know, grip 
whatever uh, the concept they were going for was. I know. I feel like you said in either last snack or the episode breakdown that you wanted to talk a little bit about symmetry and the muse. So I don't know if this is connected. Well, to just that in or terms not. of like where the titles show up in the number of episodes. Yeah, there are some differences. There are some things to be noted about the title card sequence. <sighs> Okay, so the titles, the titles, you just rewatched them with me and you did notice some differences that are happening. Namely, outside of the color, where the first one is like a pink or a very pale red. And while we were recording the live, I think I said like, it's teal, it's aqua, but it's like a pale green on the spectrum of greens. And so in terms of trying to find something to muse about for our two primary ladies, you know, you look at the what has happened to the credits for specifically Sandra O's title and Jodie Comer's title. And one of the biggest things, most obvious changes, is that Sandra O's blot shows up on the left-hand side in the red or pale red title and then shows up on the right-hand side in the pale green title. Okay. So for symmetry's sake, where the titles fall is exactly down the middle because we have the titles on two and then we have the titles on seven. And there are four episodes in between. Okay. So it's okay. literally bookending the season. Now, after I spent some time thinking about, like, why is this is so, like, what are we doing? I started to try to look at other ways that I could try to explain why they made the little changes that they do. And so, for instance, left versus right. Does anything come to your mind, whether scientifically, in mythology, um, folklores, superstitions, whatever, that you align with left versus right? Uh, left is usually, I don't want to say evil, but like... Oh, no, that's a, that with superstitions, that works because the evil spirit's over your left shoulder, allegedly, which is why I have to throw the salt. But yes, keep going. Uh, aside from that, uh, there's the sin of being someone who is uh, fluent in writing with your left hand. They say that there's... Ambidextrous? Well, ambidextrous is you got them both going on, but like oh, that's not what you said. Oops. Right, the natural, <laughs> like, but if your natural drawn is to just be able to draft, and your pen is just in your left hand, they they look at you like like you're uh uh like you got something wrong with you, like you need to get something prayed out of you. Well, that's interesting that you use prayed because I feel like, especially in terms of modern times and modern um, connotations that can be taken from left versus right, a lot of that shit can be attributed to the Bible. And how much rhetoric is done. The right hand of the father, the left hand of the father. The right hand is pretty much exclusively the better hand. And the left hand is the derelict hand. It is where you go when things aren't happening well. And then I, I guess if we were to take it into a political spectrum of left versus right, as it works in America and some other first world countries, one could say the idea of social equality for the left side or social hierarchy for the right side. And who knows if that really ought to be applied or makes any sense, but it's interesting because of the parallels and comparisons that can be made to ancient Roman society for things that were done in series two, especially at the end there, all the way down to ending up in the actual ruins of that time. And I don't know if you noticed, but there was a lot to be said, a lot to be mused about, a lot to be talked about last year about what were the ruins, what are the dynamics, what is the color theory, what is going on here. But what was there were the primary colors of red and green. And so perhaps it is not. Yes. Yes. And so perhaps it is not a coincidence that these title cards are also evocative of these two primary colors, just pale, just washed out. 
And if we go back to, you know, what was being said about them in series two and also series three to Villanelle being like, I want to be a centurion or I am a centurion turned emperor and I need a scent is that this this concept of war, of a dichotomy happening between Villanelle and Eve has been a constant strain from the very beginning. And also, actually, if you think about left versus right and you take it into science for the brain, left is logic and rational versus right, which is generally creative and emotional. And so if we look at what changes have happened at the very base of it, the flip that we were talking about before is the actual flip that's happened in the credit rollout. Also, Jodie Comer's name. When Jodie's name comes up after Sandra O's in the first title card, there's like this bleed out thing that happens. And we were musing then like, what does it mean? Is this her rage? Is this her madness? Is this her unchecked whatever? What is this? But that thing, that thing is now around Carolyn's name, which is very interesting. Okay, so then now Carolyn is running around with all this unchecked... Uh... Well, I don't know. I there's, there's several ways to take it. Because if I go... I can go on the one hand and say this title card emerged in episode two. And for Villanelle, it is the episode she finds out Eve is alive. Eve is alive, yes. So it is significant. It is all-consuming. It encompasses all of her faculties and cells and things and things. And it's just sort of like it takes over her mission in life because... As we said before, I really do feel like she thought she was comfortable, like she definitely wasn't, but she was playing a game and she was faking the funk. Right, okay. And then she realizes Eve is alive and suddenly the game can no longer be played. Even if you go into ancient Roman color theory, which I can't remember if we touched on last year, but a red colored flag essentially symbolizes war or battle. Whereas green was a color that was regarded as a symbol of beauty or love or fertility. And so if you were to extrapolate that out to potentially try to write a paper on the series finale of series two, there's stuff that can be said about where Eve's head is at and where Villanelle's head is at and how these colors play into this idea of the characterization. And using those same ideas of the color theory, it kind of makes sense. Episode two, our girls are at war. By the time they see each other in episode three, there's a literal headbutt that happens. There's violence and then there's separation and angst. Whereas... When they come together in episode seven, the angst is gone. It's like how we've read in the articles and things from people who have said, look, we were trying to take Villain Eve to a new place, a new place that was not the place they usually were when they came together, which we've consistently mused is a more comfortable, calm, settled place that is ultimately good and not somehow less. They desire each other less. I also wanted to mention the Lycurgus cup, which is a fourth century Roman glass cage cup where basically the glass has been, the artist took a lot of time in cutting around the back and essentially it's a very decorative cage that is around the glass. But essentially what happens with this glass, with this cup, is that it it changes color based on the light that's passing through it. And so sometimes it's red and sometimes it's green, but it is one cup and it's a random thing, but it kind of connects to the red thread of fate in that These women are potentially two sides of the same coin. And if we go with the one brain cell thing, it's either rage or love (laughs) at any given time. Or maybe it's both. Maybe it's both at the same time. Who knows? But then I wonder if the credits being pale means that it's like less intense. And it's like to what Sandra said, like drops a decibel because the color has literally dropped a decibel. It's not as intense. It's not as primary. It's literally moving into pastels. 
where we are no longer a primary green, we are a pastel green, we are a lighter green, we are a less harsh green. And so I don't really know what that all means, you guys. I just wanted to point out the things that I noticed and it's early in the morning. So I probably will come back to this at some later date if I feel like I have figured out more, but just interesting things. The symmetry, the flipping of left to right for Sandra O's name, given where we are with her in episode seven, quite clearly. The changing of ink blots for specifically Fiona Shaw and Villanelle, which that could represent all kinds of things like destabilization as Villanelle was destabilized by Eve and Carolyn may be ultimately being destabilized by Mo, or it could mean something else entirely like power. Villanelle was all about Ooh. trying to wear gold in, was that episode three or two? No, episode... three. No, it was three. Yeah. In episode three, when she's wearing the gold pants that I love and Carolyn has that gold scarf and stuff. And just with color theory, I'm curious because it's like, why put people in certain colors? Do you know what I mean? Because there's, there's things to think about. It's like Jamie being a plant. Does it help him or hurt him that I think he's a plant and he's always in dark colors? It could be that's just what they decide to do for Jamie, or it could also be indicating an overall idea we're supposed to have about Jamie the person with okay. his dark colored clothes and his vaping. I don't know. It's cloud makeup contour. Theorize about it all. I just think that the, the titles are ultimately brilliant. I came in here several weeks ago screaming about what the fuck is going on with these damn titles, but now I'm to the point with my maps and my strings, and I'm like, oh, the titles, they mean something and potentially everything. And so these are my thoughts right now. They're scattered, they're unorganized, they potentially make no sense, but hopefully I will be able to tighten it up, figure it out, get to another level of it by the time the series is over. If you guys have any opinions or thoughts or things about the titles, the color theories, the blots, what they could mean, why they show up where they are, there are changes with Dasha and Constantine's own. I simply have just chosen not to muse on it because I don't feel like I have enough with them to be like, well, this is what I think it means. But I definitely think there's some sort of artistic dissertation happening in the titles about killing Eve all the way down to the colors. And now that I feel this way, I love it. I'm <laughs> saying I love the titles. I'm happy that they came they were for us to that. enjoy. No, I'm happy that they ex someone put them all together. And for those who can see through them, I mean... I maybe just the profile where it's like, look, tell me what you see. And I'm like, it's it's ovaries. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Ovaries. I mean, Could some people too. are good at doing it's one person strangling another person. Like, and then other people is like, you see what you see. Like, they're blocks. That's true. You see so, what you see. Right. Madonna said it. You only see what your eyes want to see. How could life be yep. what you want it to be? You're, You're frozen. frozen. Right. When your heart's not open. <laughs> That's Geraldine to Carolyn. Oh, no. <laughs> You're frozen. Oh, my You're goodness. You're an emotional iceberg. Literally, that's what she said. It's perfect, perfect song for Geraldine to dedicate to Carolyn. All right. So this is my final muse I'm going to go with for today, since we have mused for quite a bit already. And it is a half hour, 30 minutes to noon. Um... This final muse is basically about what I kind of want in the finale, even though it would fuck me up from Suzanne is, and if I hadn't said it already, it is the Killing Eve equivalent of the Red Wedding. Those of you who've watched Game of Thrones, you know what the Red Wedding is. Those of you who haven't, you probably still know because of what happened on the internet at the time. But it basically means everybody dying. Everybody's dying. We're taking out like 10 people minimum. And so this is where I am. I have been so upset about the lack of bodies and the resurrection theme, which shout out to, what was that listener? Shh, you smell me. 
Oh, yeah. So they asked us about last snack with the resurrection theme. And I'm like, bitch, they have gone so deep and so far into this resurrection theme with this past episode that I'm like, okay, this is what Suzanne could do. She could do that thing. She could be playing us. She could be faking us. Where I would be annoyed if they took Constantine out in the finale and it was just him. But if it was just in some wild scene where for whatever reason, Constantine, Dasha, Lady in Red, Carolyn, Paul... Jamie, every last 12 member is in a fucking room and something happens and multiple of those people die and we don't see it coming. <sighs> the Lannisters sends their regards. Carolyn Martin sends her regards. <laughs> because I feel like she would be the arbiter. It because was me. Because that right. goes back to my, my, my giant muse of Carolyn destabilizing is terrifying. Like people thought Villanelle destabilizing was terrifying, but it's not. It's just terrifying for us as her fans who want to see her like excel and thrive and kill and not be anyone's pawn. But for Carolyn, oh my, my, my. When I think about Carolyn Martin's destabilizing with all of her knowledge, with all of her history, with all of her BDE, I... I turned into Villanelle when she was in the Albert Hall, just all making shit like, hey, <laughs> hey, lady, what can I do for you? Because that's that's wild. And if that's what they're trying to give me for series four, I just want to say I'm so fucking ready. I just want to say I'm ready for that. I'm fully behind every last important character, except for our main ones being Carolyn, Eve and Villanelle. That means Dasha can go. That means Constantine Ooh. can go. That means Lady and Red could go. That means Rianne could go. That means... Red can go. Dread can go. Jamie can go. The guy we never met outside, the bus driver who was on the bus when they did the kiss. Literally all these people can go out in one fell swoop and I would be so thrilled if it was all in the same scene. Red Wedding. Y'all heard it here. I mean, it is too many players still around and I guess it's so somebody has something prominent to do in Series 4. But, I mean, don't tell me that you just were here consuming space for this series. I mean, because that's... That's no bueno. We need, we need, you know, like I said the earlier episodes ago, we need to trim the fat. It's a big finale. There's a lot of unfinished nukes that are hovering about. So we need to know what's going to get expounded on and what is, you know, what, what won't. What won't. I forget. Did you have any guesses as to, because I feel like it was just me musing, as to what Eve is shocked by? And Villanelle in that scene in somebody's house that very well may be Paul's. Uh, if it's Paul, I want it to be dead Jamie. What? <laughs> if it's Paul, I want it to be dead Jamie. And so... if it's not <laughs> okay. Paul, I want it to be, uh, I guess, dead bear. But what? I want, I want somebody but why would he even... that. Well, I mean, I guess Villanelle would recognize him from earlier in the day, but... <laughs> All right, so you're saying a dead Jamie or a dead bear in Paul's house. Why is Paul killing Jamie and Bear if one of them is a plant? What do they do to deserve his rancor? Um, who knows? Maybe uh, it has something to do with the second raid that apparently happened. That happened off screen because things like that happen off screen. Well, um, we'll just, we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> we'll leave it, we'll leave it there. And I will conclude my muses. I'll save these other things for later when they are more fleshed out. But yeah, I think that finally concludes my muses. And I guess I have this final note here about uh, Irina. I oh, and Irina Muse left over. for Irina, unfortunately. I feel like we were going to get her. And not only will her scene be either the last or the second to the last scene of the series, and it's either going to be her getting a tap and a look from someone of note 
of an organization, which I would love to be the 12, to be like, we've been watching you and we're ready for you to come. Right. And then she'll probably try to bring a little, her little squad with her. Lord. Which would be adorable. Lord. But say no. Lord. Uh-huh. No. But, um, that, that, yeah, no, that she gets looks and she's, you know, holding her own just fine where she is. Will she get a visit from Constantine? I mean, if he knows better, he won't try to go and visit in his condition. Mm. Because uh, if he's trying to go, he needs to to just go and not stop anywhere. But with his connections, de- can he just pay somebody to get Elena? <sighs> I'm I tripping. Mean... I, I guess I'm tripping. <laughs> I thought you like he forgot his his context. For I said, when reason. did poorly funded juvenile delinquent centers suddenly become Fort Knox, motherfucking Rikers, motherfucking? Right. What's that one that was on the island all by itself? Oh, like Alcatraz. Alcatraz. Right. Exactly. All right, so is that is that if you amuse? Um, that is. Um, so that will bring us over to Gail Correa. All right. I don't know how many we have, but I think it's fewer because we did not put out the coal this week because we were trying to avoid extra spoilers that might be out there oh, right, right. so we could keep as much surprise as we could for the premiere but let us first take a look on the twitter and see what we've got going on what do we have going on the twitter oh i see a quick message here from alice who says okay if you're a true jody comer fan you must see her bovril pam scene i have no idea what it is or where it is from but you're welcome with some emojis oh um alice we have seen we have seen the bovril pam i feel like we saw that the week it came out, like the week it was available. Oh, right. Back in those days when maybe Jody had half her fans online, if that. Because her Instagram didn't really blow up with numbers, I feel like, till after the Emmy situation. And then she got like right. a solid 300,000 or 400,000 or something people. But we have seen it, Alice. Thank you for reaching out. If you know of other Jody projects that we might not be aware of, send them on. But of course, the sapphically inclined projects, which I feel like there's only two, the one that you just quoted, Bovril and Killing Eve. I'm excited. There are rumors out there that Jody might be tapped to play Miss Honey. Miss, oh yeah. I, who knows? I'm still sort of like, why are you remaking Matilda though? Does that does that always have to happen? Do we always have to remake the same things over and over again? Is that what we have to do? The only Fine. other rumor I remember would be the the looks for uh, the prequel. Oh my God, no! Wait, uh, are, are you talking about the Marvel yeah, film? No, I meant Furiosa. Oh, see, the, and that's my different. And I don't think she would end up in both. It's it's very that unlikely. That's true, right? Very unlikely. Because especially she ends up in the, the Marvel shit. That's a contract for several. And that Marvel shit being, what is it? Uh, love interest to Valkyrie, right? Played by Tessa Thompson. Which would be a great... Um, paycheck? A, but a great also... paycheck, but also <laughs> great company. Because if you want to learn from anyone who had to deal with uh, thirsty... Thirsty gabies, <laughs> just hounding all your social medias. I mean, Tessa I feel like that's Tessa, you, that's Brie, right, that's right, right. That's all the Marvel right. bitches. So if quite I frankly. could, if I could see more images of you in the company of a Brie, of a of a Tessa, like this is this. We would wonderful. get more interviews, which just in general would be fun. But then, like my nerd side, that's like, eh, she's playing a thing. But then I have to be honest with you. I have to be honest. When I already said, when I said what I would prefer. If I was Jody's make-believe agent, oh yes, Give I would a choose mutant. a mutant right. or a villain on DC's side. It's one or the other. You know what I mean? Like she's either playing with Disney and she's playing one of my beloved mutants that is sometimes an anti-hero, but mostly a hero depending on the day. 
or she's over there fucking with Harlequin. Now that's that's the other way. Like there's only one or two. There's no in between. She's over there with the mutants, or she's over there with Harlequin and Future Poison Ivy and all those sapphic dangerous hoes. That was a tangent that had nothing to do uh-huh. with Bovril, but like ultimately us musing about where Jody could go and if it could just be in films with more women versus free guy with no women. That would be awesome just for me, me the watcher, who tries to keep my ratio of women to men um, in the favor of the ladies when I'm watching films, if I can help it. All right, thank you again for that tip, Alice. Ooh, looks like we have a a long message here from Katie. Katie starts by saying, this is probs too long and too late for muses, but had to send it in in defense of Geraldine. (laughs) Well, nothing is too long for us and it definitely isn't too late because we are here reading it right now. Okay, she says, let me begin by saying that I share your sentiments about spending precious screen time on basically anyone but our girls. And I know she did not live up to a lot of our hopes. A, a gay, a plant, a secret misandrist, close parentheses. But she functions as the perfect foil for Carolyn and even contributes to Daddy K's development. Now, you may say we don't need Daddy K and Carolyn to be developed. Just give us our girls. Again, I don't disagree. But for the last two seasons, Constantine and Carolyn have been crucial in influencing, manipulating, and sabotaging our girls being played together. They both played Villanelle and Eve throughout all of season two. To get to the pivot we are all hoping for at the end of this season, we needed Carolyn and Constantine to own up to some of their own bullshit. Carolyn went through all of season two thinking she could manipulate everyone and everything around her and have total control. True, 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 true. This season, she does not have control. Without Geraldine, I don't know that Carolyn would be able to come to this admission, which I think we see at the end of episode seven. Ah. I think it's it's important that we do see her play off of someone as a tough as a Geraldine. But even if you're giving me someone to read exposition off of, like the purpose Mo served when he was around Eve and Carolyn, so that we could just figure out what people have been up to during a hiatus, that that same Mo could then we could watch the we could watch the the meter of his awe and amazement of working with the Carla Martins, then degrade into, oh my God, this is, I got to deal with this. Like, this is what I'm dealing with. And it's not so much because she cannot function. It's that maybe she's, like, she's too, like, she's too on the ball until someone, I guess, is trying to just rattle her out, to rattle her to have her seem like she's not, as on the ball as she thinks she is. But she is. not. I'm afraid I agree with Katie here. She's not on the ball. If Carolyn was on the ball, Kenny would be alive. By her own admission, by her own words, she said to Constantine last series that Kenny's good because she has it under control. And so I agree here with the sentiment that she has nothing under control. Because if you did, Kenny would not have been marked. First of all, Kenny would still be working for MI6. You weren't able to control that aspect of his life anymore. And you certainly couldn't control whether or not he was kept safe, nor could you control what was happening at your job, what was happening with your office, what was happening with Mo, poor Mo Jafari, let alone your daughter. And so actually, I've had different ideas about Geraldine's purpose as a foil, same ways Bear and Jamie and the rest. But I like I like this because ultimately it means Geraldine is the only thing at home that is persistently pestering Carolyn. Carolyn's able to walk away in a certain way from Eve. She's able to walk away and tell Mo to be quiet and do other things yeah. because of her her power, her energy, her jaunt, all of it. But with Geraldine, she simply can't escape this hell. Every time she's come home, she's been like, hey, ma'am, is your life falling apart? Won't you just hug me? And so it's interesting that 
if you take series two, for example, things were going wrong or Kenny certainly felt like things could go really wrong, but he had no position or place or want in a certain kind of way to confront his mother about what her bullshit was. But Geraldine doesn't have any of those same gaucheries or issues, and she does. And perhaps she is part of the catalyst of Carolyn saying out loud, I think it's getting a little personal. Walls are closing in. I'm, hmm, let me say this out loud because you're kind of right. Like, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't okay. I shouldn't just be losing my coworkers every week like that. But let me finish what she has written here. Right. For as straight and nonviolent and naive as she is, she does take Carolyn to task on her compartmentalizing and emotional expression. Carolyn needs to let herself admit that she cares about people. Remember in season two when she told Constantine that she was careful about how she loved Kenny? Now that she has lost Kenny and now Mo, shout out to Terrence. Ha! Lord. She finally seems to, she finally seems close to admitting that maybe the lives of these people matter more to her than all of her game playing. And maybe she doesn't want to or can handle losing more people. Carolyn admitting this to herself and discovering how compromised MI6 is, is the exact emotional state we need her in to defect and lead our power misandry trio. Well, I definitely agree there. She closes out with, now I may be alone on this one, but Geraldine calling out Constantine on his bullshit last episode was also very satisfying for me. It also leads to, and hey, at least we didn't have to waste any time on seeing them romancing. <laughs> Asterix. While I do not think Daddy K will join the power trio, I do think it's a great moment to have someone call him out for treating people badly and contributes to his overall, quote, everyone wants me dead, end quote, feeling that he has at the train station. Goddamn, this was too long, but this was all to say that she is serving a larger purpose here and that will ultimately give us everything we want. If you need me, I'll be applying my clown makeup contour. Love you, house. Well, you and us. Both. We are all with our clown kits. You're not alone. You are not alone. No, I mean, I respect exposition when I see it rolling out and if it needs to be, if the crevices of intimacy need to be shown to us the audience by someone who has the in like a Geraldine does with the jaunt that she has then you know you can't deny what it is that she's giving us the the scary sad part is is that for some the conversations seem very repetitive like maybe that's because you got to chip down to get to the gooey center of a carolyn maybe but sometimes i mean carolyn's very hardcore so perhaps it is that persistence that consistent like i'm coming at you because i guess the primary theme is mom open up to me talk to me and carolyn no 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 but it's huh well, perhaps that is something that changes slowly and gradually over time, that Carolyn is usually shutting Geraldine down. But with each subsequent attempt by Geraldine, she's given a little bit more up until this last episode where she gets a whole vase being thrown versus the previous time they had a talk. And she was like, well, look, I will talk to you. I'll eat your wonky soup and I will talk to you about this and try to do my best to explain. So right. realistically, they've been having the same conversation, but Geraldine has not been getting the same response. She's been getting a little, little bit. It's like a little but she's been getting a little bit more each time with Carolyn. And perhaps that's what we need to get to where I was saying earlier, a completely destabilized or just like a flipped Carolyn. Carolyn's no longer Switzerland. Carolyn is who likes to do war? America. <laughs> America loves to do war. Right. So Carolyn is no longer Switzerland. She's, she's America. She's like, send the troops. The troops is my bitches. Villanelle and Eve, get them over there. Send them there and do the stuff. Well, I'm with you with the makeup, Katie, the clown makeup contour. I like what you're saying here. I do ultimately believe that Geraldine serves a purpose because all these characters do that have lines. It's just from my personal 
satisfaction with Gemma Whalen, the actress, and how much I've enjoyed her on Game of Thrones. And Gentleman Jack, I just, I just, I just wanted something more along the lines of like Rianne with the bangs, but that's mm-hmm. that's not what we got, sadly. Well, thanks for writing in with that, uh, that muse. I mean, it's a nice jaunty muse, but we liked it. All right, you mentioned this earlier from Andrea, which she sent that meme from Friends with. Rachel and Phoebe. Oh, and oh. Rachel is Eve and Phoebe is everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God, I'm in love. What? I'm in love. I mean, I have, I have sexual feelings for him, but I do love him. <gasps> <laughs> you definitely have sexual feelings, Eve. Why didn't you tell me? Villain Eve stands. Who's supposed to be Ross, do you think? Carolyn? Who's Ross? Who's supposed to be Ross? If the stands of Phoebe and Eve is... Does so-and-so know? So who would be Ross? I I feel like it can't be Carolyn because Carolyn definitely knows the bug sex. Well, that doesn't... Nico? But doesn't Rachel... No, Nico knows. Doesn't Rachel get with Ross? I know it's weird and complicated. I feel like... They're really on to get enough again. So no, they are. That whole him and break is to do with their um, toxic relationship. Oh, so so that's Villanelle. But Villanelle knows. Well, I mean, I guess. Well, up for debate. Well, Andrea, <laughs> thanks for sending this meme in. Yeah, I'm still confuzzled by in. it, but I we laughed. We laughed in that. Yes, it's the most important thing. All right, we have a message here from Callie. Callie says, I am a new listener to this wonderful podcast. My best friend and I decided to give Killing Eve a try, and I am someone who loves to listen to podcasts from media, TV slash movies I love. While there are a couple really good podcasts out there, this one is by far the best. I like that you guys can call Eve out on her shit. Somebody, somebody (laughs) has to, somebody has to, but still be fans. (laughs) I've seen some hate, dislike for her in the fandom, which is a bit disheartening. Isn't it? I feel like I don't come across it as much because of who we ultimately follow and interact with. Right. But, but that's I'm not surprised that it exists. But yeah, it's not prevalent in my like timeline. Timeline, right. And she continues, since characters like Walter White are always praised. Okay, well, but that's another story. Yes, yes, Kelly, that's another story. It's a story. It's another story that is a story of the patriarchy and bullshit, okay? I am suddenly flashed back to how I watched you because of Terrence Ain't Shit recommendation where he was not clear enough to say, actually, this show is the opposite of what any misandrist should watch if they don't want high blood pressure. But I do remember reading that girls were like, I love this guy. I love this guy and you. He's so hot. Date me. And so I don't, again, I don't understand that. I won't know it, but Callie, we are on the same page here. And she continues, I love the shipping of Villeneuve, the humor, and in-depth discussions you two have each episode. I try to avoid short podcasts because those usually go over the basics, so this podcast was a wonderful find. Thanks for providing such a wonderful podcast full of misandry, humor, and in-depth discussions. I hope you two are staying safe during this crazy pandemic. Plenty of Clorox wipes to go around. <laughs> my, and then in brackets, she has my lame attempted humor. I liked it! Yeah, that was Because nice. there aren't wipes. Well, actually, no, there are wipes now, but that is fully and totally... Up to my mom, who was in the burbs. And as we've said, and we're not joking, and even actually, despite there being more stuff in the burbs than there is in the city, I spoke to my mom yesterday morning because she was like, I got you some more bleach. And I was like, thanks, mom. I, I do. I do need bleach. She couldn't find any toilet paper. She was like, I don't know what's going on. 
where's the toilet paper? And I was like, I honestly, I don't know what to say. I don't know why toilet paper was one of the things people hoarded. But it is still a thing here in the state of New York. Right. Good Lord. But thank you, Callie, for writing and letting us know that you feel in the podcast. That always helps rejuvenate us, especially as it is now noon. And we've been here through the night. Although it's kind of Tars' fault. It's kind of his fault. It was a music yeah. thing. He was, oh, Spice Girls, oh, over here, oh, Robin. And so we started late. But thank you, thank you, thank you for all of your kind words about a podcast. Okay. Oh, this was sent to us from I Love KE Spoilers at XX. Sorry, baby. Because I feel like everyone has KE Spoilers in their thing. So it's like, what is what is the truth? Oh, it's it's two stuff. One is a meme that is Eve. What did she look like? Random man. She was hot. Eve. All caps. Great. All I need to know. Get out of the fucking car. Get the fuck out of this car. That's the truth. That's what happened. It is. It's accurate. And the second one here says... Villanelle didn't call her till now because she didn't know how Eve felt after the kiss, so she decided to send a cake but stay away, and then all that stuff happened with her family. But now seeing Eve run after her train, she knows that Eve has been chasing her all this time, so she called. I'm... Oh, well... Oh, so yeah. that, that's one well. explanation for the consent, because she's a believer in, you know, consent, that if she did have the number this whole time, that she would Do you have an alternate explanation? Since you say it's one, that sounds like you have an alternate explanation than what is provided here. Uh, no, I just remember someone else wondering if she had the number this whole time. Why hasn't she used it? And it being like this hole where I was like, well, what, what is the answer? What is the truth? Is oh, the I number like newly acquired? I used around the same thing that she that she had the number and she was just trying to respect a bitch space because she had real issues with that. Real issues. <laughs> in series two, in fact, she didn't do it at all. She did not respect Eve's space at any point in time. She was like, oh, we're in love. So that means I just need to be as close to you as possible. And so I hope that this is the growth that she experienced after Anna, that she actually loved and cared for Anna, despite Anna's horrific um, grooming and other things she did that after cutting off Anna's husband's knob and seeing what happened there and what was said to her, we saw that growth with Nico once she was trying again to have a, an interpersonal, intimate connection with a, another human. And so perhaps after this gunshot, she's like, oh, my God, Eve is alive. I kind of felt like in the back of my subconscious she'd still be alive. But now that I know she is for real, let me try a different method if I want a different result, which isn't just death again. So I'm into it. So, yes, respect and consent is back on the table for these two gals. Because you know what? Sometimes you have to try a thing that you haven't tried before to get a different result versus, you know, the, what is it? The de- definition of insanity, expecting a different result for doing the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growth. Growth, growth, growth. And I would actually say the only thing I would correct is her knowing that Eve has been chasing her this whole time. She hasn't. Eve, like Villanelle, they were in some sort of limbo stasis of stuff, and she is back on the chase. And I know some people wish Eve was on the chase sooner, but that's the only slight difference I have is that I would say that Villanelle was waiting to see if Eve would resume the chase. Because mm. when, when Villanelle comes to her on the bus... As far as we can tell, Eve is not chasing. Right. Carolyn has tried to entice her. Right. Carolyn has tried to entice her. And she's like, no, no, no. Trying not to take the liquid heroin. And once she sees Villanelle again, it's just sort of like impossible for her to ignore what needs to happen. But yeah. Thanks for sending us all these lovely thoughts and memes. Um, XX, sorry, baby. Because I just say, I feel like saying I love KE spoilers is not. (laughs) It's not. Oh, and I should mention that that previous commentary was from Kira at KE spoilers. Yeah. Thank you. 
I'm not sure if we mentioned guys, but because I see a number of you have sent it here and that makes me wonder if we mentioned it. But if you're not already aware, there is another Killing Eve online Q&A that is happening at the end of the week versus the beginning of the week after the finale airs on Friday, June 5th at 6 p.m. I'm sure most of you, if not all of you who listen to this have already signed up as a whole bunch of you made sure we saw it so that we could sign up. We will be there. It is a Zoom webinar. As far as I'm aware, webinars do not involve like interaction the way that regular Zoom calls do. So we'll just be there chilling, watching, and potentially okay. asking questions. But I'm super excited for this because this one is not Sally, Sandra, Jody, and Fiona. It is Suzanne, Sandra, Jody, and Fiona. So from the Ooh. writer's perspective versus the producing perspective, which I am into. If for some reason you don't know about this and you haven't signed up, just Google BAFTA Killing Eve online Q&A and a link should come up. Thank you to Lauren and everyone who Thank sent Lauren. us to make sure we were not out there lost in the sauce while everyone else was having a great time in the webinar. Right. Oh, we have a correction from Debir K who said, yes, it was like how we thought she does want to see them and that it was a typo. <laughs> I don't know if you remember reading her question, but you did. And you were confused as to whether she wanted to see or not see. Oh, Believe got me. it. Okay. I was about to say, well, welcome to the train because, I mean, <laughs> everybody is here for Villainy. Oh, my gosh. So we have a, a tweet sent to us from Michelle, and it has a screenshot of Eve running from the preview. Down Love Lane, as we found out. And it says, Villanelle is going to be like, quote, meet me at the bridge, pack only essentials, be discreet. And Eve will come hurtling down through busy traffic with a Mary Poppins-sized handbag screaming, Villanelle, I think they're following me. <laughs> oh, Oh. Well, Eve is not the best spy. She's a better killer than she is a spy. I like that that meme puts Eve still in her Eve light. Anything that just makes Eve look and feel like like Eve. Like how the, even how they had her in the intro was like, if I tell you who they are, you're going to die. Well, they're for 12. It's right, like, exactly. That's, so that's just, exact Eve right, energy. Giving me, give me petulant Eve. But then, you know. If, Zero if fucks you, Eve. Right. Which right. is also petulant Eve. They're all, they work in tandem those aspects of her personality oh we have a quick note from camilla who says there's a moment in hope you like missionary where villanelle hits aaron and says her dad taught her how to deal with bullies yes i remember that scene she didn't with the book it was fantastic oh yeah i thought at the time that uh, baby aaron peel which was the lovely sister who was not a derelict had a mini o or developed an immediate crush on villanelle at that time we were hoping then it would be pursued by killing eve it was not it was not but i still believe Deeply that Amber, if I'm not mistaken, that was her name, got her whole entire life from seeing her she brother sure knocked did. out like that. And then Camilla adds, it may be a lie, but since she tried to say the truth in that AA meeting and then in episode five, she says her dad taught her how to fight. So, yes, I, yes. In retrospect, I have gone back to be like, okay, were these these clues here? Started with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And now that you mentioned what Emerald wrote in the whole Aaron Peel storyline, I guess I just... Actual fighters have a bit of a different energy sometimes when it comes to things. And I guess I just wished that it was more obvious outside of exposition that Villanelle could fight, was at once prone to fighting, and isn't afraid to punch a dude in the face like she did in one of my favorite kills in series two in a car wash. All Never right. be over her beating the shit out of that young man. He had it coming. He did. We don't know why, but he definitely, definitely had it coming. All right, so that seems to be it for Twitter. Let's see what we've got going on in the inbox. Ah, the lovely Fleur. Just making it through. Fleur writes, hello, lovelies. Oh, did we? 
We missed it. I think we might have. Oh, my God. So Fleur starts her email like, did you guys miss my episode six recap? And I'm like, I think we did. Did we? Did we? I think we did. Did we? We might have done that. Lots of sleep deprivation was happening in the last recap and stuff. We didn't even do the previews in the recap because it was a hot mess in the studio. Oh, so there's a mention in this ep six recap about the guy Carolyn meeting on the bench that he could work for MI6, though. And that Carolyn already doesn't trust Paul and she probably isn't the only one. I... She definitely better not be the only one. Diane, Diane, women must stick together. I know you're upset at Carolyn for what she did all those years ago, but come on. So she adds that she might be meeting coworkers in other places just to keep Paul from knowing. Oh, oh, I actually like that theory. That what, is she sort of trying to snare Paul into some sort of... Uh... I'll read the, the last part again. She says, Carolyn already doesn't dress Paul and she probably isn't the only one. So she might be meeting coworkers in other places just to keep Paul from knowing. Oh, well, I don't hate that. It is. Um, she also mentions the title cards and that she saw a cool meta post about this. And it said that the title cards this season are out of control and falling apart, just like the main characters and the plot lines. Some of it is meant to be humorous, but I do love the idea that the text rules that we're used to are out of control, just like everything else in the show is. Oh, and there's this one, too, which I think is even better than the other one I've been thinking of. Let us click. What does this say? So this post reads from We Are Colleagues on Tumblr, Killing Eve messing with the iconic title cards to showcase how unhinged and truly tired these characters are of the game they are forced to play is chef's kiss. <laughs> That's great. I feel like that makes sense because I, I feel like everyone who's looking at the title cards is just like, what is going on? Right. Why, why is here? it happening? Right. My thing is my minutes. I'm always thinking about what... Well, the title cards don't take away from minutes. It's just there. It's like someplace nearby. Like when we've gotten there, when we no right. longer care about Aberdeen, we're just like some somewhere over there in a bush on the ground. That oh, is right, how killing right. Eve. Or like last episode, this is bullshit. Fuck off forever. Or rather, piss off forever. They've been pretty, pretty cheeky and like whatever about the title card. So, all right. Thank you for sending that post, Fleur. Thank you, Flair. She continues, I can't believe that Geraldine kissed Constantine. I rejected... <laughs> she, this, I rejected wholly that. and completely. Stop. I, I too, reject. I unfortunately believe she hopped on that damn knob because why was she in his place with the key? Just really just going way too far, but ethically, I'm still rejecting it within me. And she continues, either she kissed him on the cheek or it was just a total lie Constantine made up to deflect from Carolyn. I hope so! That's what I said! In the initial recap, I said, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, and then Geraldine showed up in his place the next week, and I was like, is it though? Or am I the clown? Once again. It all really happened. Just because it happened off screen and in between episodes doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Geraldine <sighs> is a thing. I'm with Fleur, and we are in denial and rejecting the sex, because it hasn't happened on screen, just like Mojafar's murder. Although he's he's definitely dead. Sorry to say that. He just that. took a nap. That's what he was doing. Oh, well. Like uh, Romeo? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, so she continues. There's no way that Geraldine wouldn't know that Constantine had been Carolyn's toy for the last 40 years, right? And there are several question marks. I We tried to make sense of it, but sometimes people are like, people got kinks or something or weird things that is happening in their subconscious and conscious. So... I thought they were trying to say some freaky shit about some just really weird shit about Geraldine's issues with her mom and trying to get closer to her mom by getting close to a man her mom fucked. It wouldn't be the way I would go for the storyline, but it's a way. It's a way to go. It is a way. And she concludes with, yes, I am so mad that they gave away who said the episode title in the preview. Oh, right. You and me both. Monster. Takes all the fun out of it. And we know it is a new side character again. And who wants that? Not us! Fleur, definitely not us. 
as you definitely heard us lament truly those issues hoping we get lots of eve and lots of eve and v together in the last two episodes oh sweetie we are one episode down from when you sent this and we got we got them at the end of the episode were they together well on this same platform ish location they were together so that works oh by the way you got another shout out in the ke tag on tumblr we did be safe xoxo thank you oh yes frankie's braid is shouting out sorry baby is that sorry baby podcast sapphic synth technology i can't read and what we're going now they say your insights and muses have been getting me the fuck through it and ignites my patience for the payoff in this season for that little longer oh yay frankie's braid oh so glad to hear it oh we have a, a message here from dr theora i think this was actually coming in towards the end of last week the doctor writes just finished listening to the latest recap episode and i just wanted to say that i completely agree with your concerns you are not alone in your feeling over the lack of eve and general trajectory so far this season i would like to rant with you on this because it really bothers me thank you for defending emerald in season two because what she did do extremely well is develop eve and villanelle throughout the season and often in tandem without sacrificing the development of the other indeed that is my biggest issue with season three, regardless of how the final two episodes play out. As you pointed out, we are getting very explicit Villanelle content, and we see all of the pieces of her journey this season very consistently. With Eve, we see the end point of her development, i.e. Yeah. Dark Eve, but we miss the transition into Dark Eve, i.e. how did Dark Eve rise? I think part of... <laughs> Terrence is making gestures now. I think part of that has to do with the time jumps. Well, I, I can already... <laughs> Terrence was about to nod off, and now he's like, bitch, I'm awake. I am awake because that is... He has already what given me time? several TED right. Talks about the time jumps. Right. She continues, we leap over moments of emotional development with Eve and as an audience only see the end result. Whereas with Villanelle, we are seeing the entire process and lingering in her emotional moments as Candace astutely pointed out. Well, th well thank you, Doctor. Hopefully, I see you're so ready to jaunt into the mic. Let me just get okay, out all okay. of the Doctor's wonderful okay. thoughts okay. because I know, okay. I already know you got shit to say. Okay. She continues, hopefully they do this story justice and connect this all back to Villeneuve. But regardless, it leaves a sour taste in the mouth to see Eve sidelined for this version of the story. Sandra O oh deserves more than that to work with, and we deserve to see every moment of that deliciousness. Agreed. Additionally, your observation about who was delivering the title of the episode along with the general meaning of those lines was so brilliant. Oh, thank you. It's something I can't unsee now that you pointed it out. I'm sorry. I'm not sure why they made this particular weird choice other than to keep in line with the general theme of utter chaos and thereby having random lines as the title that do not succinctly tie together the episode in any way shape or form lastly the medical gaucheries oh every time i read gaucheries and i know we are not the only ones in life bringing okay, back gaucheries right, right, and jaunt right, right. yes okay lastly the medical gaucheries passing as killing eve science are annoying and dasha should be fired from the 12 <laughs> from managing to miss all of the multiple large major arteries and veins in nico's neck truly truly yes yes my cousin is a doctor and she's explained some wild things she's seen, but I don't, it's... You gotta be quicker than that. Retire. Retire, Dasha. I still got it. No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You still got broken bones from Eve is what you still got. But yes. Uh, she continues, regardless, she did strike him straight through the neck and should have realistically nicked major nerves. The level of puncture looks to be at least at C5 in the spine. Photo below and link for reference. Oh my gosh! You know the doctor always knows. I need, I need my photos, my science, and my references. Thank you, doctor. Uh... Oh, you have... Ain't that funny? <laughs> because she tried and missed Nico C5, and now she's paralyzed. I like your remix of J-Lo's mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hit. Okay, so um, where was I? 
references, right. She writes, I work with veterans in C-spinal. I didn't, I don't know if I knew that, but I just want to say separately. I love that you work with veterans, ma'am. My brother is one of these veterans, one of my other brothers, not the one that got thrown up. And that shit is so important because I, every soldier, I don't think there's a soldier that comes back that doesn't have PTSD and stuff going on. And so just ultimate respect and appreciation for anyone who is out there working with veterans. Okay, so the doctor works with veterans and she sees spinal cord injuries all the time. And in reality, Nico should have some degree of partial paralysis in his lower and upper extremities. Please let that mean Dasha is paralyzed. Please let that mean Dasha's paralyzed. But again, we just said killing Eve science, so who knows? And she continues, but killing Eve really needed that piss off forever title card that he wrote with no problem. So reality be dead. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Additionally, I can't tell you why he's in the hospital still other than to rehabilitate him now that he has a tracheotomy thanks to Dasha. Is on a ventilator, parentheses, again, he would only need this if he had upper body paralysis since Dasha did not injure his lungs and he is not critically ill, close parentheses, and he lost his ability to speak. Hopefully they are realistic with Villanelle's arm puncture, as Candace correctly pointed out, that her muscle would have been punctured with that deep of a stab. Therefore, her grip and range of motion with her left arm should be affected. Hopefully we will see that in episode seven. But then again, the previews have her swinging a golf club with okay. ease and no evidence of pain. <laughs> so again, medical nonsense. And fast forward. because Oh my God, thank you for these images. Concept. See, that's how I know Dr. Theor was paying attention when I said on Gentleman Jack Crack that I used to read medical books for fun. When I was a kid and my other friends would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I just learning. This is, by the way, the image. I know you don't care because you agree with everything she said without images, but there it is. In case you were concerned, this is what should be affected for Nico. And clearly it is not. I found I had a, like a herniated discs some years ago and that it was because I was trying to figure out what was happening with some nerves. And they were like, oh, bitch, look, all that jaunting you've been doing. Look at what happened. But thank you, doctor. Thank you very much for... You can, I, you were writing. No, because we covered time and trying to follow time <laughs> and being able to put two and two together with scenes and clips where we don't know if they're happening immediately after each other, if they're meant to be happening at the same time. There was a scene where uh, Paul scares the Jesus out of Constantine, mm -hmm. and we all thought, oh, he was just uh, had a call from Geraldine who was shook because she just had a talking to from her mom about the two of them and she wanted to get to the bottom of what are we or whatever what have you mm. and it's like but can we say that it's happening at the same time just because it's following each other time is irrelevant it's a construct we are floating through space and time oh my god have you ever seen that film enter the void no 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 it is directed by french director I don't know where this accent came from. Is it Wakandan? I think it might be Wakandan. <laughs> um, French director, director, <laughs> Gaspar No. And he's done some wild things, but I enjoy his unique perspective, which is very different from what a lot of people do. But I bring this up because maybe I, no, I don't, maybe I didn't mention this film to you before. Basically, the whole concept of the film, the majority of the film is death. The character that you start out with dies. And then the rest of the film POV, literally from the camera, is from this person as essentially a spirit. And okay, right, it's it'll fuck you up. Definitely do it sober. I remember. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I just had a, a a memory of a friend that passed like a year and a half ago, sadly. And he, one of the last films I recommended to him to watch was Enter the Void. And he was like, Yo, why didn't you tell me not to smoke? the ganch while I was watching this film because it took me all the way out. And that's because in the beginning there's a sequence where one of the main characters does drugs and it's like it's like you're inside of a kaleidoscope 
but if that kaleidoscope too was on acid and things. Ew. So if Ew. you if you are on something else Ew. that heightens your stuff, like you're a hot mess. But I said all that to say that the character's dead. A spoiler! Oh my god. But doesn't do I really spoil? Because the movie is wild. He's dead, and then you spend the rest of the film floating through the past, the future, the present. You don't necessarily know where you are or why. Wow. Right? No, it's it's twisty. But I enjoyed it because of the concept it was trying to show that if you hung around this mortal coil after death, what might that look, feel, sound like? What might that experience be? One second during your trauma from when you were seven, and then you're observing your sister in a creepy fashion with whoever she's dating right now. Then you're back to where you were when you were eight, and then you're back to over here. Like, it's, I just enjoyed it. But I said all that to say that if anyone has seen Enter the Void, surely you can agree with me that Enter the Void had Killing Eve time because there was no time. There were no concepts. It just <laughs> was. was no you're just time. floating, literally floating like his spirit amongst the stuff. All right. Dr. Theora. I feel like we said thank you already. I'm sleep deprived, but thank you. All right. Thank, thank you, you for writing in. And thank you for all the information. I just love information. 